get a PhD in data science. That's my recommendation if you're in college. <laughs> um, data, data is huge. Data is huge. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised what those jobs pay, um, especially especially right out of school. It's uh, it's always a running joke right in TA. Um, it, as you have access and exposure to all of the different, you know, I mean, you're working on positions and you're seeing, you know, what people are getting paid. Uh, I more than once have I heard a recruiter say to me, "Man, I really should have gotten into this, right? Like, it's uh, it's awesome to see someone graduate right away and, and making so much money." Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, John Karsibayev. Hi, I'm Ben Dickinson, Director of Talent Acquisition Americas at Citrix Systems in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey ben, thanks so much for finding time to join us on the Ivy Podcast on this Friday afternoon. Uh, glad to connect with you at the beginning of 2021. You know, a lot going on, great start, you know, interesting start to the year. Uh, so thanks for finding time. Tell us a little bit more about your background professionally, where you come from career-wise, and then I'll want to spend a couple of minutes talking about your current role. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm Ben Dickinson. I'm currently the director of talent acquisition uh, Americas at Citrix, but um, and have spent my whole career in uh, in recruiting and human resources. Um, I, uh, I went to Florida Atlantic University here down in South Florida uh, and uh, initially joined a boutique staffing firm based in Boca uh, right after graduation. Um, wasn't, you know, like many people, I think I, uh, I fell into recruiting. Um, had a little bit of experience of it for some, you know, some college days actually, uh, but uh, found that it was something that suited my, um, you know, my, some sales skills, uh, my enjoyment of just connecting with people and finding out about people. And it's, uh, it's something that I think all recruiters, you know, from the beginning of their career, right? If you enjoy making connections and understanding how you can fit someone's skill set to, to a job or introduce them to somebody, um, that'll make you a successful recruiter. Uh, so after a few years, um, focusing primarily in HR search um, at that firm, I ended up getting hired by one of my clients uh, at First Data um, and worked for one of their large regional facilities down here in South Florida um, and grew my career in corporate recruiting at First Data. Got a lot of exposure. I was really fortunate you know, to get to go work for a, um, a global company like that, uh, that, you know, you, you find through, in my career anyway, I found I, I went from large organizations to small organizations to mid-sized high growth organizations. And I found that to be a really fun journey because you get things like in the big companies, tons of resources, great systems, great tools. Uh, and then I, you know, from there, I shifted over to a, a mid-sized company that was in really high growth mode uh, and, you know, helped establish a TA function at that organization, right? Where you have slightly different experience, um, you know, from an employment standpoint, not as many tools and systems and not as much budget, uh, but the ability to influence and change things if you want. Um, and that, that's also really fun. Um, and then I went back for a short stint in the agency world and uh, opened up a division for a company down here in South Florida, um, really leveraging you know, my network of folks to, that I do down here in South Florida. And then uh, about a year ago, joined Citrix to run talent acquisition uh, for the Americas. Well, that's exciting. You know, quite a journey you have, you know, and I can I can definitely relate to going from, you know, corporate, you know, Fortune 500 organization to smaller company, boutique shop, 
And, you know, I've gone through a very similar journey, so I can definitely relate to all of the different experiences. I'm actually part of, you know, a lot smaller startup that we've been building in stealth mode coming from, you know, Citrix, from Ultimate Software, very big companies. So definitely very interesting perspective, you know, from that standpoint. As far as your current role, being the head of TA, tell us a little bit more about what really falls under your purview. Uh, you know, we all tend to think, generalize it's, you know, just an HR function. And that's it. So just want to get a little bit, deeper understanding for our listeners, what really falls under kind of that talent acquisition role. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, so the TA function uh, or the TA organization at Citrix is quite robust. Um, you know, we have uh, a number of different departments inside talent acquisition. So I run what, what we consider to be the delivery side of that. Um, I, I lead a team of about 25 recruiters, sourcers, and university recruiters. Um, and our responsibility is, is the the, the mechanism of filling the requisitions that come through and open at the, you know, in the organization. Um, we have internally here in TA, we also have TA operations and a whole centers of excellence team um, that covers TA marketing, um, HRBI and data. Um, we've got uh, sourcing and um, diversity and inclusion as well as, as key components. But for me and my responsibility and my team, um, we're a team of recruiters that are uh, partnering with the business to help them identify the right talent and, uh, and bring talent to them so that they can make some hires and, you know, uh, build their teams out. Well, that's exciting. You guys are on the forefront and, you know, I've been on both sides of that equation where I was a hiring manager and then on the staffing side as well. So it's very, you know, definitely completely different, you know, sides when you actually hire people or actually help the organization find and source and recruit folks. So definitely critical, uh, critical mission responsibilities there. So you've been in talent acquisition for most of your career, obviously, you know, built up quite an expertise there. Share with us any trends or ideas that really excite you in this space. What are your what what's what what do you think is the next big thing? What are you researching? What are your what are you passionate about? Maybe what are you looking to invest in? Just just curious to get your take on that. So I see that as a short and long term um, question, really, right? So I, I think today and what most TA organizations, if they haven't already started to make this shift. Um, becoming a data-driven partnership organization is, is key crucial to our success inside an organ, you know, inside a, a larger company. Um, so the things that, you know, that we're doing here at Citrix uh, is, is ensuring that we can partner with the business and help educate them on things like market conditions, talent you know, availability, the talent pools that are you know, out there for them when they go to search. Um, even compensation information, right? So our recruiters are no longer just order takers and they're, you know, they're not just showing up saying, tell me what kind of job profile you want to see and then go off and try and find the talent. Um, we need to come to those meetings in uh, sort of a, from a partnership lens and want to try and help educate the business as to what's happening out in the industry and the market right now. Uh, as many people know, I mean, even though we have pretty high unemployment numbers, uh, there, there is a you know, real uh, challenge to find the specific talent that a lot of companies are looking for. And that we feel that at Citrix significantly, um, you know, specific technology experience or specific, you know, sales experience, for example. Um, so we have to be able to help partner with the business and help them understand um, some of the challenges that are out there and how we might better market those roles uh, and, and use the information that we have available to us. So the data um, that we can show, you know, past performance and, and help, you know, inform the business on that. Um, from a long-term standpoint, what I'm personally most fascinated about is how technology is going to change the way we do work. Um, and I mean that from a, uh, you know, recruiting and TA technology standpoint. Um, you know, there's, 
there's a lot of really interesting stuff that has been coming out in, in recent years, right? Whether it be AI and screeners or sourcing tools. Um, and I, I do wonder how that finds its place eventually in, in all large TA organizations. Um, you know, we, we've been exploring a lot of that, whether it's just front end assessment tools, right? So how, how can we better get through the funnel? Um, we have examples of, you know, open positions where we'll get 500 applications almost immediately for a role. Right, so how do I help enable my recruiter to get through those 500 applications without having to individually click through those things? Um, and then, you know, we layer in just the, the concept of, you know, being fair and inclusive in that process, right? So, I mean, can we, can we find tools that help us do that uh, versus just relying on an individual and what maybe their own personal biases may be when they're looking at those resumes? Um, so that's something that I find really interesting. And I know we're spending a lot of time talking to potential partners uh, in, in creating that, uh, whether that's, you know, something to help ease the recruiter's workload on the front end, or it's something that helps us go out and find really good talent out in the marketplace, right? So some sourcing tools where we can say, this is an ideal profile, go do it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the systems that we use today use LinkedIn for an example of, you know, as a sourcing method. You know, we're still relying on the recruiters to enter in a lot of those search terms and kind of manually handle that process. So how can we accelerate that for them um, and, you know, make it make it a little bit quicker so we can deliver for the business, you know, to the business faster as well. Right, right, right. No, that's exciting. Definitely very interesting trends. And it sounds like, you know, that initial screening, that initial evaluation process is very, um, you know, it's very labor intensive. And it's very in terms of, you know, just going through every single application and be able to funnel that and come up with almost a short list of the candidates for a particular role, if there's any type of technology that can really help streamline that process, you know, sounds like it's, you know, will definitely help help from that yeah, perspective. You know, it's crazy. It's, it, there's not a one size fits all solution in that, right? Where we have pockets where we see higher volume, maybe we have a solution there. Um, but then once we get to, you know, um, a certain level of, let's call it a developer, right? An engineer. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to send them to a front-end assessment, right, to, to evaluate if they're any good because then we would lose the interest of the candidates, right? And you get to kind of a certain level in your career, not that interested in yeah. um, playing games on the front-end, right? So um, it's it's being able to create, you know, solutions that will work for specific parts of the business. But um, being, you know, our, our focus is on how, how can we leverage technology to get better at what we do too, right? Not just make our jobs easier, but like, are we, you know, are we finding the best talent, um, you know, for, for what the business needs? For sure. For sure. No, definitely. That makes sense. You know, which brings me to another point. You mentioned use of technology. Share with us any any tools or any, you know, any software, any particular technology that you guys are currently leveraging that really helps you, you know, elevate your elevate your performance, operational efficiency or anything that you actually, you know, wish that existed and something that would definitely, you know, help you guys out from that standpoint. Curious to get your take on that role of technology. Yeah, so we're fortunate enough to have a really robust ATS system um, here at Citrix. We use Workday, uh, and you know it's fully integrated throughout the rest of the HRIS stack here at Citrix too. So, um, you know, I think from a from an experience standpoint, we do a pretty good job, right? There's always room for improvement on how you know we onboard people and we bring people into the organization and um, communicate with candidates. But um, you know, overall speaking, right, when you have a fully integrated ATS to an HRIS platform. Uh, it helps when it comes to just new hire paperwork and all kind of the basics that, that make make your first week on the job really smooth and easier, maybe, you know, pre-day one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on top of that, uh, so we use um, 
So we use Yellow uh, as our CRM, our sourcing CRM platform. Um, and that's, you know, that's really beneficial in the sourcing um, organization that we have stood up here. Uh, we, we unleash the sourcing org in a couple of different ways. So we have kind of our standard pipelining efforts that we know, you know, we've got roles that we regularly have to fill, right? Whether it be certain technology development roles or sales, um, which are really kind of our two main customer groups when it comes to things like Citrix, right? They have the highest volume um, of, of need. Uh, so we'll be, you know, we spend a lot of time pipelining and then, um, you know, trick campaigns, keep warm, you know, campaigns, getting interaction with the managers to that pipeline as well to make sure that they're engaged and it's not just a, you know, cold lead list sitting out on the side. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we also unleash the sourcing team when it comes to, you know, high need, right? So uh, hard to fill position, super unique skill set uh, that, you know, we know is going to be difficult for us to find. We don't want just one recruiter working on that. Let's try and get some extra hands in there to help uh, do the lifting. Um, yep. So, you know, CRM platform like that's been really helpful to us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we use Talent Neuron and LinkedIn Talent Insights as some of our advisory tools uh, for our managers. So, you know, we're on LinkedIn as an enterprise customer, and I think that's, you know, table stakes nowadays in the recruiting world, right? That's where a lot of people are going out to find their talent. Um, and, you know, we use that as a sourcing platform for sure. But then also I find the Talent Insights and also Talent Neuron, uh, which is a Gartner tool, is another one that we leverage to try and, um, you know, pull information. So when we go to that, you know, kickoff meeting, right? So we no longer call it an intake meeting here at Citrix, right? We refuse to use the term intake because that's more of a, a tactical conversation. So when a recruiter gets a new requisition, they go to a hiring manager and they have an advisory conversation about, you know, here's what the market looks like for the role that you're looking to fill. Here's some data that I'm bringing to the conversation that shows, you know, what talent availability is, what the market's paying. How does that compare to what we're looking for, right? And um, and that, I think, is a great first step in us creating that partnership with, with the business and not just looking like a, a service arm of the organization. Uh, and then we are, as I mentioned, I mean, uh, we're, we're entertaining a number of different assessment tools right now. So we use today uh, HackerRank and CodePair, which is all like a tool in one. Um, HackerRank is a great front end uh, platform for us to assess uh, more entry level uh, development talent, engineering talent. Um, and then CodePair is their kind of partner piece that allows us to do virtual whiteboarding sessions and, you know, really helps in the online interviewing or the, the virtual interviewing program um, where we had a lot of noise in the beginning, you know, COVID threw everyone for a loop, right? We all had to very quickly become a virtual workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, thankfully Citrix with the business that we're in, uh, I think we were really well prepared for that. And it was just a, a matter of making sure everyone was using workspace and we had virtualized desktops almost, you know, immediately. Um, but hiring managers, right, had a lot of interesting challenges too, right? And go, go to the engineering side where they were used to meeting candidates face-to-face -face and having real live, you know, whiteboarding sessions, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, they, they want to see a design of drawn out how you think and what your methodology is. And they're like, well, we can't do that now. What do we do? And so having a tool like CodePair that allows us uh, to do virtual whiteboarding sessions is, is really helpful. Um, and then layering is in assessments, you know, where they make sense. But um, when we talk about that future technology, that's where I've been spending a lot of time and talking to vendors and, you know, considering new partners is, you know, do we have AI tools that will help us uh, quickly get through these, you know, large candidate um, pools and find really top talent for us to, to identify so we can, you know, speed up the process because uh, time is money. The longer uh, a hiring manager has their requisition open, yeah. the more frustrated they get. And, uh, and it does cost, you know, cost the business too. Um, right. we, we see that a lot in sales, right? So one of the, the metrics that we track heavily in sales is actually their time to start versus our time to fill. Where you, know, you see that a lot in, in 
you know, TA in general, right? The kind of table stakes is either time to fill, what, how long has it taken us to fill racks? Um, we, we've switched that metric over to the sales organization to make sure that we're focused heavily on when do we have that salesperson in a seat, you know, starting to work because that's when they can start, you know, um, counting for some revenue tied to that job, right? And that's, that's, you know, how we can impact the business, right? If we can get salespeople in there faster, then they can start making money for the company faster and we all win. Right. No, absolutely. Those, you know, very interesting perspectives. Thanks for sharing a lot of the tools that you guys are using and leveraging for, you know, for your operations. You mentioned some uh, technical assessment tools. I have, I, I may have some recommendations for you outside of this conversation. So there's, cool. no, uh, there's no bias, there's no promotion. Uh, but really good friends of mine who, you know, they actually appeared on the show. They, they're the founders of different tools in the assessment space. So definitely very interesting, interesting. I think I, yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Now we we had a, we had a presentation a couple probably two months ago. We were hot and heavy on that. I think. Uh, oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. yeah there's quite a few. There's quite a few. The you know that space really evolved, especially through past year uh, mm -hmm. with the pandemic. I think that really elevated the need for those types of tools. So definitely, there's quite a few very interesting players. So uh, definitely going to share that with you. You know, one of the things that I uncovered during during those conversations, right? It's it's almost. Not that it's easy to, to land on a, a technical assessment tool. Um, there are a lot of you know choices out in the market, and I think they all bring certain you know value and you know have certain negatives to them each. Um, but it's it's also you know we had other customer groups inside the company that were wondering how they might also leverage assessment. Yeah. Um, and so outside of tech, right? So it, you know in, in tech you can have sort of a um, you know a yes no response, right? Does this individual possess these skills? Do they know how to code in this language or what have you? Uh, when you get into the soft skill assessment side, that a lot of managers find that they uh, maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable in face-to-face -face interactions, you know, uncovering some of that stuff. Uh, how do we assess for that? And that that's been an interesting riddle um, as we've gone through these conversations with the assessment partners as well. You know, do we decide to go down that road or not? We're right, still right. jury's out on that, but uh, you know, still still trying to explore it. Yeah, but that makes sense. You know, it would be it would be really nice to have a comprehensive solution that encompasses mm -hmm. different divisions within the organization. So it's not just one dimensional like this, because then it becomes, you know, from a vendor management perspective and, you know, disparate systems in place. Uh, it's definitely a challenge. So it can definitely relate to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you briefly mentioned some, you know, extremely challenging roles, very difficult roles to find. Curious to get your take on, you know, what, what are those types of roles? What are the most in-demand yet very difficult to find? The reason I'm asking this question is because a good portion of our listeners is, um, you know, the early stage career professionals and or the second year MBA. So, you know, just entering the workforce and a lot of questions we get from them is around that particular aspect. Hey, which what roles are, you know, in very high demand and very hard to find? Like if, if I was to invest my time and resources into learning, where should I go? What should I do? So, um, you know, I would love to hear your, your take on from, from that perspective. Get a PhD in data science. That's my recommendation <laughs> if you're in college. <laughs> um, data, data is huge. Data is huge. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised what those jobs pay, um, especially, especially right out of school. It's, uh, it's always a running joke right in TA. Um, it, as you have access and exposure to all the different, you know, I mean, you're working on positions and you're seeing, you know, what people are getting paid. Uh, I've more than once have I heard a recruiter say to me, man, I really should have gotten into this, right? Like it's, uh, it's awesome to see someone graduate right away and, and making so much money. Um, for us, I, where I see the, the, the biggest lift and it's a you know, real challenge to find the right talent for us, um, security is probably number one. 
Um, you know, I, I wrestled with this. I actually you know, thought about um, I had a conversation with some team members recently, and you know, we were talking about this. And, you know, cloud and cloud engineering is, is always a challenge, right? That's a hot topic. A lot of organizations, um, particularly in the tech space, have moved that direction. But one of the benefits you see in the cloud side is, you know, you've got AWS, you have Azure, uh, you've got you've got folks that have sometimes different skills, but organizations a lot of times are happy to take someone who maybe comes from a different platform and, and are willing to train on theirs, right? They're not, they're not vastly different. So at least the talent pool, you can kind of cross and have like skills and just go pull someone um, that maybe that has, you know, AWS background for an Azure job. But uh, in security, there's, we don't have that benefit, right? So you really see a shallow talent pool in security. And, um, and now that has become number one topic. Right. I mean, it's, you know, on a monthly basis, you can find an article about another organization that's, you know, had a major security breach. And it is it is a number one. I mean, I'm sure if you look back in the last 10 years, the amount of like CISO roles that have opened up in organizations in that time. Right. Which was a job that didn't really exist prior to that. Um, and that has driven entire organizations dedicated to security. Uh, so for us and, and we have that, too. Right. So we have a massive organization just dedicated to that um, as you know, we. We've got networking solutions, cloud solutions, SaaS solutions, and all those things that we need to make sure we provide a secure environment to our customers. That means that we've got to work real hard on that. And I know from a TA standpoint, security is definitely one of the, the biggest challenges to find the talent. Um, the other side of it, I mean, I, you know, we get some real niche skill sets, um, you know, machine learning, AI, like a lot of kind of the newer stuff where you don't get folks that have a ton of depth. Um, many years of experience, right? Even the managers sometimes have very little experience in some of these technologies. Right. Um, so it's hard to find someone with, you know, five years of uh, really robust machine learning experience when, you know, the technology hasn't been around that long, right? Or has been fairly. Um, I, like recently, uh, Elasticsearch was one that, uh, I, you know, I'd heard, you know, talked about. And, the, and that's like, you know, just you talk like emerging, you know, emerging tech, right? The stuff that just pops up. And they're like, hey, we need a bunch of people that can do this. And we're like, I haven't heard of that, right? So you spend time trying to trying to find that and look it up. Um, those those are kind of the core areas from a technology standpoint. Um, you know, I, I think data is is key, right? I mean, even in TA, that there's been a massive transition um, from how we used to run talent acquisition, even when I think back in you know early parts of my career and how we reported out on things versus what we have today. Um, you know, I mean, we have a TA BI team here in, in Citrix, right? That is dedicated, it's not just one person, right? It's, an, it's a group dedicated to creating the dashboards that we need, um, making sure the data is, is crisp so that we can go and pull it out. And then if we have, you know, adjustments or new inquiries that we need to, you know, make. So anyone that comes with a data background is gonna have, uh, you know, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean get a data science degree, which of course is, you know, um, might be write yourself a blank check in many ways. I mean, I think, you know, when it comes to earning potential and, you know, need in, in the market, that's a great degree path. Um, but at the same time, if you are an individual that's not necessarily going down that path, uh, getting yourself familiar with it and, you know, trying to expose yourself as much as possible to um, data analytics and being able to speak to the numbers like that, I think is going to make you different in um, you know, the candidate pool side of things. Uh, and that's very true in something like talent acquisition that always used to just be a soft skill thing, right? Can, can the person talk and they pick up the phone and, and call candidates? We can teach them how to search. Now it's, you know, can you analyze and then advise our customer base? Right. Uh, and, you know, being able to, to look at the reports that we can see and, you know, make, make assumptions from that and, you know, then, Show, show our clients and advise them properly on it, I think will be really helpful. 
That's very interesting. The very last point that you just made of, you know, I've been hearing a lot of that. I interview a lot of executives from different companies. And, you know, when we talk about very niche skill set and which ones are difficult to find and so forth, yes, the themes are, you know, very similar data, advanced tech, uh, cybersecurity, all of that. But also the other aspect of that from the soft skills perspective, yes, the technical skills, they, they're important, but they evolve. Like you said, you know, different technologies emerge and stuff like that. So for a, kind of for a very successful candidate to be able to pair that up with extremely robust set of soft skills, you know, emotional EQ, uh, be able to articulate complex problems in a simple manner. Uh, I think, you know, be able to collaborate, you know, virtually with, you know, through the past year, we all, you know, saw the elevated need for that. I think those are the type of skill set, the combination of those becomes extremely important. And, you know, that's definitely exactly, exactly what you're talking about. So definitely thanks for sharing that insight. Yeah, sure. yeah that's, that's definitely how a candidate would be able to differentiate themselves, particularly in, in a more soft skill driven role. Right. So, um, you know, and that can apply, I mean, obviously in finance, but, you know, when you look at some of the, the sales, marketing, human resources, those groups, they're all trending that direction. Right. Yeah. I, I used to have a, a sign in my office that said HR is the new IT. Um, right. 10 years ago, right? And, yeah. and it was kind of during that evolution of where organizations were all transforming digitally. Mm -hmm. But people were, you know, companies were realizing quickly that the people that run the technology are far more important than the technology you just bought, right? Because it's yeah. immediately outdated, needs to be customized and updated, et cetera. Um, and I, I've seen that transition take place again recently when it comes to uh, data, right? Yeah. So TA is no longer just um, you know, spitting anecdote, anecdotes out to, to the business about, man, it's really hard to find people. Everyone I call just says this, right? Like we have to be able to bring a lot more to the table um, to help them understand what it is that we're doing and, you know, how we can better serve them. So. Right, right. Absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, from, we've talked a little bit about the different tools that you use and techniques to to find the best talent. You know, you guys were in the news recently about one of your executives saying, close to 600 jobs, you know, to be filled at Citrix, which is, you know, an insane, insane number. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the bulk of that workload is going to, is going to fall kind of on, on, on your group, your team, your division. So from a standpoint of utilizing different techniques or strategies or initiatives you have in place, that would help you, you know, really attract the top talent to your organization. Um, aside from the tools that you've mentioned, anything that you could share with us in terms of different strategies in place to really target that specific talent and be able to actually attract that to your organization? So I think we're in a fortunate position that Citrix, you know, so COVID uh, certainly, when we look back at 2020, right? I mean, that's gonna be the headline, um, I think for just about everyone where we think about what happened in industry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we were fortunate enough, like I mentioned before, you know, we're kind of in the business of uh, you know, desktop virtualization and, you know, helping people be able to work wherever they want, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. um, so Citrix pivoted quickly when we had to, to move to this, you know, the virtual environment. Um, and, and I do think that helped us in some ways too, right? There, there wasn't really a ramp up period for us. It was just flipping a switch and everyone just started working, you know, for workspace on their laptops. Um, I also think that there, you know, from a candidate attraction standpoint, uh, Citrix's name being in the headlines uh, throughout 2020 um, in mainly positive ways, right? Like uh, it's being a technology that has a place in an environment like we're living in right now helps tremendously when it comes to attracting talent. Um, individuals, I think, frequently when they're thinking about making a job, they're not just talking, you know, they don't just 
want to know what's the role that I play in the company, right? Like, what is my job? But it's, you know, what's the company's future? What do they do? Um, you know, what impact will I have to the success of the company as we move forward? And, you know, fortunately, I think people can quickly see when we tell the Citrix story to them and, you know, what we're doing today and, and kind of our plans for the future, we are well positioned to be, you know, pretty successful in this environment, in this COVID environment, uh, which is great. We just had an announcement, you know, 48 hours ago, right, of a, an acquisition of a, a kind of a content collaboration partner in a, a company called Reich um, out in California that, you know, helps kind of close out a, a lot of our product offerings, right? Some back office IT offerings and now more end user offerings too, which is exciting, right? And that's, that's part of the story, you know, our recruiters tell when we get on the phone with candidates and we talk to them, right? Is, um, you know, how do we engage those candidates and get them excited? Yeah. Uh, that, so we created earlier this year, or last year, sorry, um, what we call a TA business partner model. And it, it, it mirrors a little bit of the HR business partner model that's really popular in, in many organizations, right? Where you sort of have an embedded HR contact in the business that gets a lot closer to the business functions. Um, so they understand what's happening and they can help strategize around talent efforts and things like that. This is the same from a TA standpoint, right? So um, you know, how do we embed ourselves into the business and get to, to help predict the, the headcount needs um, and the capital, you know, team capital planning around these waves of, um, you know, business initiatives that are, are being created, right? So the, the 600 head higher in our engineering expansion. Um, thankfully, that's globally, so it doesn't all sit on my shoulders. Uh, but we do have a, you know, a big no, chunk of that team. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it's, uh, yeah, there's, you know, we have, we've got a lot of development, um, you know, centers and organizations throughout Europe and uh, Asia Pacific and in India as well. So um, thankfully, it's pretty evenly distributed, uh, but we've got plenty of work happening with that too. Um, and of those positions, so, you know, one of the ways that, that we've tried to even tackle this, you know, the, the, the struggle to find talent, right, is how do we develop talent from within? So um, a lot of early career hiring programs um, based here, right? So really robust university recruiting program here, um, you know, internship program, et cetera. We do hire a lot of folks, like even of, of that big number, a big chunk of that is going to be, um, you know, one to two years of experience, right? Early career. And then how can we help grow and develop those individuals? Mm -hmm. um, that's sometimes a lot easier, right? I mean, that certainly has its own challenges in hiring, you know, large swaths of individuals and developing them, et cetera. Um, but sometimes a lot easier than going out and just trying to find a couple of really, really specific skill sets at a high level. Um, so we've got internally also a TA marketing organization um, that I think has done a great job this year. and We're going to continue it um, into 2021. Uh, we produced a lot of content that helps. Um, you know, one thing that we've educated our hiring managers on um, last year in 2020 was leveraging their network and helping them be a part of the solution versus just go to TA, have them bring you some candidates and you hire the one that you like. Um, how can you be a part of that process, right? So if you're a hiring manager, um, you don't have to do any heavy lifting. We've got the videos produced. We've got, you know, and a lot of our videos are highlighting leaders in the organization and the divisions that they run or any interesting news that's happening at Citrix, um, as well as other content, static content, right, announcements, PR things that we can create for the hiring managers. So we hand it over to them, you know, uh, electronically, and all they do have to do is just click the button to post it to their LinkedIn network, right? And, and then that's getting out to their network. That drives a ton of referral interest. Um, which has been really helpful uh, to us, you know, when, when we try and especially embark on one of these large campaigns. Uh -huh. um, reach out campaigns to, to our alumni network too, actually, right? So if uh, we had a crew of people that had left in the last few years, 
um, that filled certain roles that we know we're going to hire again in this big hiring push, we'll circle back and reach out to those folks and say, hey, this is what we've got going on now. How are things going, you know, for you over at Oracle or Microsoft or wherever you went, right? Like, was the grass greener or not? Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, they, they make those changes just because they want new challenges. But, um, you know, when great things are happening at organizations, they get excited and they do want to come back too. So those are some of the things that we do to try and tackle that. No, oh, that's absolutely, you know, thanks for sharing those strategies. It definitely seems like a very, very diverse spectrum from, you know, from a strategic standpoint, not only focusing on specific, you know, skill set, but also investing a little bit further into that, you know, what we've talked about, that early stage career professionals and, you know, invest a little bit more into their learning, uh, into their growth, because at the end of the day, some of the skills that are so such, you know, unicorn set that it's difficult to find that it makes probably more sense to bring somebody in with limited experience, but willing to learn something within those lines and kind of groom that skill set, you know, internally. So that definitely makes perfect sense. You try and, you know, I try and find uh, similarities, right, where we have, you know, like the same builder buy, um, right, when you talk about technology uh, in organizations and they're faced with that challenge, right, in, in an IT department or something. Um, I think you have the same talent conversation, right? So is it, is it easier to build or buy the talent, right? Can we, can we go out and find some individuals that we can eventually get there? Um, and they may not be there tomorrow, but, you know, we can eventually get there and we kind of groom them the way we want. Or can we go out and just easily acquire that talent right now? Um, you know, I feel like obviously diversity and inclusion is going to be a big conversation in 2021. It has been um, in, in the past few years here at Citrix too. I mean, we have an individual in the TA team that's yeah. dedicated to that center of excellence already. Um, and where I think we're fortunate enough at Citrix, you know, we've got an individual on the HR leadership team as well that runs diversity, inclusion, and belonging here at Citrix too. So we've had a lot of programming around that for many years. But when we talk about that from a TA standpoint, one of those uh, the themes that has come out in a lot of those conversations is like, I think the fastest impact that we'll be able to have um, on diversity and inclusion is going to be at this early stage career side. Um, because, you know, some of the, the, the challenge that we have when it comes to you know, technology, let's say, right, engineers, it's not, you can't just wave a magic wand and solve all the diversity issues that you may have on your team just based on the talent that's available. Um, and so, you know, how can we help grow talent um, from within the organization that uh, will, you know, go on to have great careers, whether it be at Citrix or in other parts? But um, I think we can really tackle that um, pretty well uh, by, by doing that from an early career stage, too. Right, right. Absolutely. No, that's a great strategy. Definitely, you know, expands the pool and the opportunities to really kind of fill the roles that not necessarily with talent sitting on the bench and waiting to, you know, to be available. So absolutely. Uh, ben, last but not least, in terms of your sources of information, your sources of learning, share with us any, any tools, any blogs, any, any Twitter profiles that you follow. Uh, what, what is your daily source of information? What's your content diet? Uh, yeah, so I um, well, I, I try and consume a lot of content. Um, I I'm not spending as much time out of the house anymore, so it's a little bit harder, right? Like uh, used to used to just throw podcasts on when we were driving the car around or something. It was easy to get get things that way. Now now we're all stuck indoors, so uh, we don't get as much. Um, as far as uh, you know, TA specific. So I mean, I a bit of a like a TA nerd too, right? So I, I enjoy listening to to folks that I think are interesting in that space. Um, I like Tim Sackett a lot. Um, John uh, Blasalika, I think, is uh, really interesting. He, you know, he helped inform a lot of our TA uh, business partner concepts uh, as well. I think he's a really, really interesting mind in the TA space. Um, I like Jim Stroud a lot too. Um, Tim Sackett has a podcast that I think is really funny. You know, he, he, I even saw this morning 
and send an email out. I, I tend to gravitate towards the individuals that speak in, in more of a raw way, right? Like, so it's not just like Harvard Business Review stuff. It's, yeah. um, you know, Tim Stack had an article this morning that said like, why you're an idiot for checking references, right? And so I, that's enough to get me to click on it and dive in and say, okay, I want to I hear his perspective on that, right? What are, what are, what's his take on that? Um, I think ERE is a really good resource as well. You know, if you're in the recruiting space anyway, um, the Electronic Recruiting Exchange is a great network, ere.net. Um, and so I get their daily email and it's got a number of different blog topics and things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, other, other content that I, I consume, um, a couple of daily like uh, emails, um, this is the water coolest um, and 1440 are like, one's, one's more kind of business related, but it covers a lot of tech companies. Um, so it helps me kind of stay informed of, you know, things like uh, a change in Intel, right? And the leadership, um, you know, we, we talk about that a lot uh, here internally, right? We've just got kind of a network of the TA folks that it's like, if you see something out in the market that you say, oh, you know, Intel's just changed their leader and uh, the VMware um, CEOs should have shifted over there. Um, let's talk about that, right? Like, is there a talent implication there? Does that open up opportunity for us to go and try and poach talent from, you know, from some of those organizations where they're about to go through big change? Um, so we try and keep the team communicating about that pretty regularly on, uh, you know, in our staff meetings and, and whatnot. Um, but those are, yeah, those are probably the, the top ones for me. And then I've got a lot of entertainment stuff too, right? Listen to Joe Rogan and whatnot, but right. And of course the Ivan podcast, right? That's, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's def definitely going to be a bookmarked after this, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I appreciate it. Um, then last but not least, what, what's, uh, you know, is there a book that you always recommend to others and why is that? Yeah. So number one for me is, uh, is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Um, I, I have. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I mean, I like Simon a lot anyway. Um, you know, I, I follow him uh, also. Um, but that book has spoken to me uh, ever since it came out years ago, five years ago or whatever it was. Um, you know, it just, it, it's, it's been my guidepost as far as management is concerned and leading the team that we have here. Um, and, and I see the benefits of it, right? I mean, if you've got a team of champions that will, um, will work hard for you and, and, you know, respect you and appreciate you because you've provided that uh, appreciation to them mm -hmm. um, and just showing the team that you care about them and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll do what's possible to protect them from, you know, the external challenges that they have sometimes, right? Whether that's a hiring manager that's, you know, wanting to scream at somebody or, um, you know, other outside forces. Um, I've just found that there's a ton of benefit if you can build a team that you have that level of trust with and they know that you'll fight for them then they'll fight for you. And it's a lot easier to, you know, when you get 600 recs coming through for the engineering department and you have to tell everybody, hey, listen, this probably means that we're gonna be working this weekend and we've got, you know, we've got a, some heavy lifting to do. They're willing to do it because they know you guys have their back. And um, so I think that's, from a leadership standpoint, that's um, that's been my guideline. Oh, that's awesome. I love that recommendation. And for our listeners, we'll make that uh, title available in the episode notes. Ben, Ken, thank you enough for your time today. You know, lots of great insights. Personally, learned quite a bit. Uh, appreciate you being so generous with that, you know, with that information. Definitely going to stay in touch with you. And perhaps, you know, we're going to do another episode, you know, later this year or next and to see how much have changed, how much have transpired. So much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. I mean, it's been, it's been really nice talking to you. We probably could have gone for two hours today. So absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yo, same here, right? I, this is my favorite stuff to talk about, but we'd love to circle back in the future and see, um, see if some of my predictions are right, right? Like, have we been taken over by right. AI and chatbots? Or, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, um, but yeah, it's been really nice chatting with you and I, uh, I look forward to staying in touch. 
Thank you for listening to the Ivy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and iTunes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes.